All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. Adam's leaving. To the line, Hughes, Jones! In this existence, take you to listen. First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 1-0. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air, let's go. Hello Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Use promo code Hockey Season Capital H Capital S, all one word. That will get you five dollars off your order at ZephyrEpic.com. Z e p h y r Epic. 
on all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram. They've got all the social medias. Go give them a follow. Also check out their retail location in Surrey. And folks, our promo code works there too. You go, you tell them Canucks Convo sent you, and you say you're using promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word. Or you can play this part of the podcast if you'd like for the clerk or whatever you call the person, the cashier, whoever's helping you. at Card salesman. All the friendly folks at Zephyr Epic. Go check them out. Retail location in Surrey. The best part about Zephyr Epic, though, they ship free anywhere in Canada on any order over $50. From? From Tawasin, home of the Montanas, uh, to Tisdale, Saskatchewan. Home of? Go ahead. Brent Butt will be joining us here on the show. BB on Canucks as well on yep. Twitter as you can find him. Uh, but let's get to Tisdale, Saskatchewan. Quads, the grain handling center of the region. Tisdale, Saskatchewan. Is that all you have? No. Population, <laughs> 3,180. And here's another fun fact about Tisdale. The world's second largest honeybee statue in the world. Get I said out. that twice, world. But you get what I'm saying. The second largest honeybee statue in the world. How big do you think it is? It's the second biggest in the world. I wonder if How Brent, tall do you think it is? I wonder if Brent knows about Quilly Willy in Porcupine Plain. We'll talk about anyways. We're going to have a lot of Saskatchewan talk. Are do we? You, do you want to know something funny? Yeah, I'm just going to go I'm, through my pages of Saskatchewan <laughs> towns and ask all these weird yeah. random facts. <laughs> something funny that and we have to show Brent this because he's not in studio yet. He will be in about half an hour and we'll, we'll talk soon with him. But I, I thought growing up, you know, seeing Corner Gas on CBC and everything, I used to think Dog River was a real place. Dog River is the place on Corner Gas, obviously. And I, I thought that was a real place in Saskatchewan. Well, you know what? It, it sort of is. Tisdale used to be called Doghide. No. Yeah. Okay, they I didn't know They changed names for some reason. I don't know. But the river's still called Doghide River. That's the river that goes through Tisdale. Just about to get to that for you here, Quads. But how tall is the second tallest honeybee? Take a shot in the dark. Second tallest honeybee oh. statue in the world. Uh, five and a half meters. Uh, I don't know. It's six, uh, six foot 11. So just... Uh, okay, so like three meters. A little bit taller than Tyler Myers. Tyler shorter. Myers, stand by this thing. Doesn't Wait, no, even look not that three big. meters. How, t- how much is a meter? Why do I not know this? I don't know. Um, anyways, that's the second lot. You want to know the largest? It's in Alberta, uh, in a place called Falher, uh, wow. Alberta. This honeybee statue makes the second largest one look like a, like, basically it's, it's like Connor Garland and Tyler Myers. The second largest <laughs> one is six foot 11. The largest one in Falher, Alberta, 22 foot eight. Get out. See, that's like, Big more old like five honeybee. and a half meters. Yeah. That's around. Yeah. Give or take. <laughs> and, uh, Tisdale, Saskatchewan home of the most picturesque, Nine-hole golf course in Saskatchewan. And it's on the Doghide River. So it's not like Corner Gas. It's not. So it's pretty much based where Brent is from. We'll have to ask him when he gets to the studio. I I almost want to like stop it here and just show him this and just pick up from here when he gets (laughs) here. Because we're super excited to have Brent Butt on. Uh, Like I said, Saskatchewan royalty. It's going to be a lot of fun. But Chris... Before we get to that, we have to give a shout out to our friends at DoorDash, who we are delivered by. <laughs> We're also delivered by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. Use promo code ConvoDD. Or as Wyatt C. says, ding dong. So I'm assuming you listened to the episode. I did listen to the episode. All right. Hang on a second. ConvoDD is our promo code. Capital C, capital D's. 
Uh, use it to get 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Doesn't get much better than that, folks. My name is David Quadrelli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. I'm sorry to anybody who listens to the podcast on one and a half speed or whatever it is you do, because you probably didn't hear any of that. But you already know what I was going to say. So I'm joined once again by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. And you listen to the episode with Wyatt, yeah, so go but, ahead. Uh, first, you know, I got to say this crap about DoorDash here. I know the sponsor, great sponsor, DoorDash. But you go on there right now. You got the summer Dash Pass going on. 50% off Burger King. So our promo code, throw it out the window. Uh, go on there right now. You just use the summer DoorDash, 50% off. Well, hang off. on, because use our promo code if you're a new user, right? Because sure. yeah. then you get whatever you want, right? Yep. And then you get that Burger King deal after. The next you can day. use that at any time. But if you have a new account or you're making a new account on DoorDash, use promo code ConvoDD. Oh, get yourself a Whopper, no onion, no tomato. There you go. Remember, you and I went out for Burger King once. Yeah. I tell you, Burger King's been surprising people of late. Have they? Well, for a while, they were in the dumpster. But uh, now Burger King's coming back. They got uh, chicken sandwiches are better. Anyways, you and I, we went and had it. We had a good Whopper that one time. It was good. (laughs) We did, and then we went to Value Village. Value Village, we were shopping for... uh, You were looking for... I remember now. It was before Halloween. You were looking for the rock costume. This is back when yes! you, back when you were working out. Now you're not working out anymore. Back no, in the day, I, I'm back now. I went to the gym yesterday. Could have fooled me. Got a little um, pump. Got a little pump yesterday. Okay. Well, Tell good. you what. Tell you what. All right. Let's. Uh, what? Ten minutes. Oh, you can cut it short here. Go ahead. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. How was your vacation? It was good. Uh, yeah. I guess people maybe can tell. Is my voice not great? <laughs> I, I can't tell. In my in my head, it sounds fine. But uh, I, I think listening back a couple times, I've heard, yeah, it doesn't sound the greatest. So We've also got a new Patreon uh, yeah. for our Patreon supporters. It's true. Really. I talk about, uh, yeah, I was on a houseboat on the weekend. Yeah, so, and uh, you talked about that a lot more. So we won't we won't waste too much time because, you know, we want to get to Brent Budge. Sure. We've got a big episode here. But uh, patreon.com slash Canucks Convo, uh, that is what you need to check out. And the 5 Your girlfriend and $10, made her uh, debut. She did. Five and ten dollar tiers get you all the bonus content, including the one that we just did, where we threw around the idea. I believe it was your fiance now, excuse me, that brought it up and said that her and my girlfriend should do a podcast together where they talk about what it's like to be in a relationship with kind of the two of us, if you think about it. The Wags episode, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, there's been times where your girlfriend will see that we're out for lunch. She's like, I thought you were working. And well, like, this is working. Yeah, those are business lunches. I tell her all the time, keep the receipts a business lunch. Even if I don't know what you do with the receipts after, but I keep the receipts and call it a business lunch. <laughs> yeah, so that was an idea we threw out on the Patreon. And yeah, like you said, uh, my girlfriend made her on-air debut on the uh, on the Patreon. But so, we'll, we'll, saying uh, what the worst part of our jobs are. Yeah, what because uh, because you brought up what your, your fiancé thinks is the worst part, and uh, we got it from the horse's mouth. Uh, with my girlfriend. Yeah, I wouldn't call her that, but... Uh, yeah, she whatever. probably wouldn't appreciate that. <laughs> Anyways. Jump into it here. Want to talk a little hockey before we get Brent Butt on? Yeah, we can do a little bit here. We got a little bit of time, and then... Because, uh, yeah, we're going to just go... I don't know how this conversation is going to go with... Uh, no clue. It'll be fun, though. Yeah, it'll be fun. Okay, the reverse retro. Brent, I, I, I'm curious to see how he became a Canucks fan. We'll chat about it anyways. Yeah, we'll All chat right. about it, yeah. Let's do some, uh, whatever, recent news, whatever you really got Really quick here. The reverse retros... They got okay. leaked, and it's been confirmed by multiple sources. You know, it got confirmed specifically to Canucks Army as well. Like, I've confirmed it. Uh, those are the real real deal, but I think it's still a fake of that jersey, but they have the idea right. There might be some tweaks to it. Like, I think one thing that's being discussed a lot is the letter and the number is going to be on the front because it's like the 1960s Canucks jersey that is being um, kind of reversed, if that makes sense. So that's what they're going with. And I find it interesting because... You 
you have mixed reviews. Like, some people really like it. Like, some people are huge fans of Johnny Canuck, and they're like, this is a great jersey. And then there's others who are saying, this color scheme sucks. I even saw one person who said, and again, I need to specify this was one person I saw that was like, that blue and green is better than the current blue and green we use. Shout out Malcolm. It was Malcolm on Twitter that said that. Um, but, yeah, like, some people really like it. Some people really hate it. Where do you stand on this? Um, I think I like the look of it. I, I do kind of agree. I like the uh, just the look of the color, and I think this is one where, you know, some jerseys like they're like, oh, you got to see in person for it to look better. Like I think that the the raining jersey or whatever they call it with the stick and rank that they currently have, like that jersey looks better in person. I think this one is actually going to look even better in person because uh, I like that little bit of like a real dark navy mm-hmm. color, and I think it looks good with a darker green as well. So I think it's going to pop. I like the piping on the elbows. I think that looks nice. Like I just think that part of the jersey is great. And I am, I'm not like the biggest Johnny Canuck fan because like to me there's not – like I don't – really know the history exactly of the Canucks like I didn't grow up with that being part of like my childhood watching it I still have always wanted to see like them go back to like I'd love to see like the black jersey did you just say it wasn't part of my childhood to watch the Canucks in 1960 yeah like sorry it wasn't like I don't know the Johnny Canuck jersey I didn't grow up with it but I like I like the I always thought it'd be nice to see the black uh, you know, West Coast Express era jerseys, or even you know, mix in a little bit of that maroon color in there. Like, I think having some fun with that jersey would be great, uh, because it's not one that we see often mixed with the Canucks. Like, you can, if you want to see Johnny Canuck, go to Abbotsford, right? Like, you know that that's going to be out there. Um, but I, I, I'm not, I'm not like torn apart by this jersey i think it's going to be fine i think it'll be good i think uh hopefully it has better luck for the canucks than the uh than the sprite can did because that wasn't a good time and i don't think we'll ever see that jersey again i don't know what to do with my nate schmidt sprite can jersey now i don't know what i'm going to do with that yeah oh for four with the sprite can jerseys yeah the, the lost 2021 season most definitely but uh yeah I, I think it's good i don't think I, I hope it's one that like even pops more when you see it in person for the first time because i do think like that's the thing about the retro reverse retro jerseys is, man, you get a real chance to like when those players take the ice for the first time and warm up, that's when you know if the jersey's good or not. You get to see a real good pop from yeah. that. And the Canucks had some options to go with some, you know, go back with the red and yellow and have some fun with that because everybody loves that, obviously. Um, but to not go the, that direction, to go this direction, you better hope that they pop when they hit the ice. And I think they will. They look like the type of jerseys that are going to pop a little bit. And yeah, I'm cool with the Johnny Canuck. It just doesn't do doesn't do it for me like it would uh, just getting like the West Coast Express there or even the flying skate a little bit. But I don't think we're going to have to complain about the flying skate. I get a feeling we're going to see uh, the black flying skate jersey a lot next year. Probably a lot more than we'll see the reverse retro. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And we've heard whispers about that, but I don't think it's been confirmed anywhere. I haven't even been able to get it confirmed. And no. I was not to pat myself on the back here a little too much here, but... Remember at the end of the year, I, I got the scoop that they were wearing the black skate. Oh, I thought you were going to go about your uh, your nearly kneel here, your insider, with <laughs> the guy that you, your insider at uh, Canucks giving you the nearly kneel schedule. No, no, that's that's a completely different person. I've got my nearly kneel insider, yeah. and I've got my jersey insider. Oh, your sauces. Those are my two insiders at the organization. Yeah, a couple good sauces there. Yeah. All right. You want to get to uh, Brent here? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's chat uh, chat Canucks with uh, Brent Butt. Also, we're sponsored by Montana's now. Our Get okay. Montana's Messy All right. guest of the day, Brent Butt. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Before we go any further into the episode, we have to give a quick shout-out to our friends at Montana's. Montana's is the barbecue expert in Canada. They smoke their ribs in-house every day, and then they sauce and fire-grill them to order. Montana's legendary all-you-can-eat ribs promotion is on now, seven days a week until the end of summer. Come in for all-you-can-eat ribs and get Montana's messy to win weekly prizes. Chris, do you have a little Montana story for us? I tell you, go get the apple uh, butter barbecue sauce, the best sauce they got there. And listen, the ribs are great. Do the all-you-can-eat ribs. But if you're not in the mood for ribs, four cheese spin dip. They got an incredible spinach dip in Montana, as you know it. And you can find the barbecue sauce at the store as well. Take home a bottle with you. There you go. Apple butter barbecue. Excellent stuff. So be sure to go visit Montana's, where they have certified smoke and grill masters doing all of the barbecuing with seven locations throughout British Columbia. Shout out Nanaimo. Including Nanaimo, British Columbia, Langley, Tawasin, Prince George, Victoria, Fort St. John, and Kelowna. Be sure to go check out Montana's Barbecue and Bar today. All right, guys. Very pleased to be joined now. You've been waiting for this moment. Brent Butt, Canucks fan, joining us in studio. Brent, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm all right. How are you, fellas? We're doing fantastic. Were, it's a I, pretty I hot happened day. to overhear you guys arguing about who was going to introduce me. And I couldn't tell if because one of you wanted to or neither of you wanted to. <laughs> no, I think, well, if my voice, you've heard my voice, Brent. <laughs> I don't know what you think is wrong with your voice. It's a husky, manly, uh, you know, it sounds like you're, you're like a, uh, a gravelly. Mm. I don't know what kind of voice you're looking for. Yeah, like maybe I'll go for that. I'll just go on a houseboat every weekend for the rest <laughs> of my life. And that'll be the theme of the pod now. You got you got the voice of a pro wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, right. I look like one too. Have you, you did you see the the Kevin Owens when he showed up and surprised oh, yeah. Bruce Boudreaux? I've told if I you know shed a couple pounds, I could be <laughs> the Kevin Owens. Boudreaux's reaction was so great. 
<laughs> he was. He became a six-year-old kid. Yeah, in, like in a span of a, a millisecond, he became. Oh wow! <laughs> Golly gee whiz! He was like, it was so heartwarming to see that reaction. Okay, well, let's actually start there because it's on our list of things to talk about. But the Boudreaux bump. What's your whole take on that situation? When Bruce Boudreaux came in, how the Canucks turned around their season? Is that the real Canucks in your opinion? Like, where does this team sit with you right now with Bruce Boudreaux behind the bench? It's closer. I think the real Canucks team is closer to the team we saw in the last half of the season than it is to the team that we saw in the first half of the season. I think that, um, you know, it's. I don't know if we're going to go at that pace. I don't know what our pace was the second half of the season. The actual stats were where we'd be on pace for like 120 points or something if we were going at that at that rate. But I, I think we're closer to that team under Boudreaux. And I think that, you know, anytime you get a new coach, there's a natural bump. But then you combine it with this is a coach who really historically has an ability to look at his assets Say, what do I have? What's our best plan of attack considering what I have? And I think that's a big part of being a coach is not just like, okay, here's the best way to play hockey. A big part of being a great coach at a high level is to say, this is how we play hockey with the tools that we have. And I think at times, um, Greener didn't have, he either didn't have that capacity or he wasn't looking to go down that road to say, okay, I don't have the best team it's not the deepest team, so we got to have to make some adjustments. Um, he just kind of went with a "this is the best way to play hockey" yeah. thing. But Brudro, KG veteran, was able to come in and change it up. And it, it's it's going to be exciting because I think them adding a little bit here to the forward group has been kind of a strange thing for me because it's like it, it, you know Boudreaux did so well with that group of guys and you're adding to that like because Manko's coming in now one of the top free agents coming from Russia I've watched him play a ton I know what he can bring he's a skilled player is another example but it's like I, I could feel that you could hear this from Jim Rutherford and from Bruce Boudreaux that like the thing that needed to be addressed was the defense and I, I think we both agree with this that Oliver Ekman Larson, Tyler Myers, they surprised the hell out of us. We didn't think that that pairing was really going to work, but man, did it, did it ever play better than we thought? I, I just wondered, like, do you think this team's done in the offseason right now? Or do you think they're rolling in with this forward group that feels really deep, but a defense core that, man, it's not changing. Maybe Jack Rathbone comes and helps out a little bit, but there's really no other change. Yeah, I, I, and I don't know what, we, what we're able to do. Like, smarter people than me have to figure this out. There's so many variables on the business side of hockey. But, and there's no, there's no question that we need to shore it up somehow, that we don't have high-level defense right now. But I also think, as is the want in Canuckland to grouse more than is necessary or accurate, right? <laughs> the, the, I often say the hardest part about being a Canucks fan is Canucks fans. Oh, they're hard to hang around sometimes, you know, because it's like they're the type of people that I would say if 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 a typical Canucks fan, if they won the lottery, the main thing you'd hear is them complain about how there's no parking at the bank. You know, oh, I had to take the goddamn check to the bank and there's no park. And then the pens aren't very good at the bank. Oh, come on. Like, yeah, but you just won $68 million. You know, isn't that all right? Yeah, but still, you know. So... I I think that first of all I'm kind of I'm kind of sad to see Hunt go. I was yeah yeah he did way more than I expected of him. he was just so solid in like every regard for this guy who's like my height 
and the weight I would be if I was in shape, <laughs> you know, to, to come in and, and um, he just surprised the hell out of me. He was the, just like the best guy to deal. I like, I always think of like when we go and we do these, you know, we sit down with them, we chat with the players. He was the only one who like always finished was like, thanks guys. Appreciate you guys all so much. Like all everyone in the media is like, thank you. And we're like, why is he thanking us? He's like, like, thanks for talking to me. Like he loved it. Like if he ever got his name called to come out and speak, it was just like, he was loving it and loving life. Local kid too. Like awesome stuff. Yeah. It was a nice replacement for Nate Schmidt. I'd say. Cause Nate Schmidt kind of oh, brought okay. that, you know, and we never got to meet him in person cause it was yeah. all over zoom that pandemic affected year. But Nate Schmidt was always you know, it always seemed like a good day with Nate Schmidt. Same vibe with Brad Hunt. So I agree with you there. That is, yeah. uh, that is. A but tough I mean, loss. just personality aside, putting him on the ice, I, I, I felt I had a high level of confidence in him yeah. out there. Um, but yeah, it would be good if if they were able to do some conniving and get the behind the scenes machinations to work out so that we can get we can shore up the defense a little bit, but. Do you think do you think Rathbone will make the team? I'm looking forward to because he's fat, he's dynamic to watch. Yeah. He's fun to watch. So I'm I'm this part of me that's hoping he just steps in and helps out. I think as as a podcast that's had him on, I don't know what like six seven yeah, times on the show. So one times. of our favorite guests. One of our I think one of the best people in hockey. Just like as a genuine person, just incredible. And from what I got to see him in Abbotsford last year, I was out there all the time. Uh, you know. Point per game defenseman moves the puck really well, but try, had to work on the defensive things, yeah. right? Like, and, and I know that that's I don't know to me like I Rathbone last year. I always bring up the stacks. I think it's incredible when he was on the ice last year with the Canucks. His shooting percentage for the whole team when he was on the ice is under two percent. So like that's horrible luck. Like the the kid is in a spot where he makes a team out of camp, everything's going well, but the puck just doesn't go in. Like you remember, he had a disallowed goal early on in the season. I don't know how many crossbars they hit. I, I thought he should have been in the NHL last year. Like, I, I did. I understand there's, you know, the whatever it was with the call-ups. It made it kind of difficult. Yeah. You could only have four players called up. That made it a little bit difficult for him. But now you look at it with Rathbone, and it's like the left side. You know, we obviously have Quinn Hughes. You have OEL. Looks like Travis Dermott is probably one who, you know, I think Boudreaux liked, I think, in yeah, the spot that I he like played him. in. Mm -hmm. So it, it's tough to me to find a spot for him, right, well, still. And even with the loss of uh, with Brad Hunt moving – like, I, I don't see where Rathbone can fit on an opening six. It has to be either Dermot or OEL is moving to the right side. Maybe both are moving to the right side because your defense group gets but, a lot stronger. And Jim Rutherford just spoke on the Bob McCown podcast, and he said, you know, Rathbone deserves to be in Vancouver this year. So mm -hmm. we'll see how they put that plan into action. But you're right, Chris, to an extent, if you don't, you know, and, and to our knowledge, Dermot can play the right side. OEL is apparently training to play on the right side, but does an offseason make you able to play on that side? I, I don't know. So is there a spot who's, for Rathbone? Who's bringing this report of OEL playing the I've right side? I've just heard it. I've just yeah, heard it all know. over. I've, everybody, it's like, it's, you're, what's the... Taj Seption. LeVar Ball it. speaking into existence. Like, I think Canucks Twitter is like, what if he plays the right side? And then someone's like, is that a report? And then they just, <laughs> you know, it's run into something. Taj I haven't seen this once. That I don't have any concrete evidence. No, that's that, why I keep saying we've heard it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. I actually heard that one time. I'm in, in a argue. I'll never forget it. Two guys arguing. One person said something. They made a declaration. I can't remember what it was. And the other person said, "I don't know if that's true." And he said, "No, it is true. I heard it." That was his. That was his basis for it being true. Was that it entered his ear canal? Yeah, no, it's true. I heard it. You're getting yeah. into how we do things See, on that, this well, podcast. That's the, yeah, that's how we do our information. <laughs> but I, that's like the difference because Quad is only 22 years old and I'm 29. And then the difference of us growing up on the playground was like they had Google on their phones at the time. <laughs> and I didn't. So like there was a lot of facts that I remember growing up learning that I was like, hmm. 
okay, this this might be true with everything with you. Like you, you're like, oh no, like that's one of the things I notice about like I'm in my sec the second half of my fifties now, and I have no concept of time. So like when somebody talks about like to me, the 1990s are still 10 years ago. You know, that's my window. I think of it as like being a oh, last decade. We're in the, oh, no, but it's, it's yeah. a hell of a long time ago now. So I have no frame of reference. I don't even know what I was. My, I, I probably already had a bad back by the time you were born. <laughs> you might be right. I always think that's so weird to see like, uh, you see like a music, best of the decade. It's like the 2010s. And I'm like, yeah, but it's still. Yeah, it's still the 2010s. <laughs> Like, That's one of the uh, other great things, speaking of Bruce Boudreau coming into town, because when Travis Green came into town, he for the first time, the Canucks had a coach that was younger than me. And I thought, well, this is it. It'll never, <laughs> I'll never be younger than the coach again. And then, boom, we got another. He's, Bruce is older than I am. So, so I, what do you think about the, I mean, the chance that first night, like, Bruce, there it is. Like, what, what are you thinking when you, because it was coming, I don't know if you're in the arena at the time or you're watching on TV, but watching like, watching on TV, you could hear it through the screen. And, you know, John and John let it breathe yeah. a little bit. Like, it yeah. was, it, it was pretty unreal. What'd you think first it was, night? It felt like a little bit of magic was going on. Yeah. And it seemed to, and I kind of thought, okay, well, this is nice, but it's going, you know, can't, it's not going to last like this. This the, the honeymoon has to end, but it just kind of never did. And it mm-hmm. just—he's such a—he's such a—it's a great combination because he's such a lovable guy. He's easy to like, and then he's clearly one of the smartest people in the room when mm-hmm. it comes to hockey. And so that's that's a fantastic combination. So I think the players love him. The fans clearly love him. Uh, and I'm on board. That's what really matters. At the end of the day, <laughs> the Aquilini family call me up. We have a little bit of a chin wag every year to see if I'm happy. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely am. I, I think he's. Uh, I think he's the. I think he's the man for the job. Because, like you said, we're not. You know, from a from a personnel standpoint, we're probably not exactly where we want to be. I think we're in better shape than most people would say or admit um i don't think we have the glaring gaps that some people seem to think we do and and the gaps that we do kind of have we're, we're in a situation where we if we didn't have somebody like demko we would be in trouble but Demko's the type of guy that can plug some gaps especially yeah. when you're trying to to you know, get your defense shored up. If you've got some right. young guys that you got to bring into the mix and they make a couple of mistakes early, well, the fates decreed that at this time we would have a lights-out goaltender, an, an all-world goaltender. And so um, I, th- I think we're going to be all right. Yeah. I know we're all a little bit biased, but where do you rank Thatcher Demko among the league starters? Like, I know he got a third-place Vesna vote, finished seventh in voting. He was tied with a few other guys. But, like, where do you rank rank Thatcher Demko in the league's goaltenders? I think he's absolutely, I mean, anybody who thinks he's not top 10 is out of their mind, and I would put him, like, top five, probably yeah. five, in the top five. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you, and I, I'd say there's even an argument to be had that maybe he's a top three. If you, you know, look at the defense group in front of him compared to some of the guys that we would have on a list in front of him, obviously, but... Yeah, like you're right. They're in good hands with Thatcher Demko for years now. Yeah, and like you say, he's a young guy, and we got to shore it up for incredible value. Yeah. That to me, that's this—that's the saving grace in all of this is that we were able to lock up that goalie for that length of time at that dollar figure when we're really scrapping for nickels out there. Um, that that was a wonderful win. But he's he's also he's a young goalie, and goalies often don't hit their prime till they're. 
30 because so much of the game is so fast now that it it almost becomes uh reflex and reaction it is less a part of the game than smarts and system and when you're 30 versus 22 you may be marginally slower but you have vastly better sense of system and where to be and the smarts that of the game and so a lot of these guys they don't even they don't even get as good as they can get till they're 30 Brent, I got to ask, becoming a Canucks fan from Saskatchewan, we got to take it back a little bit here. Why? Why, why Vancouver? What drew you in? And, and how long well, have you been a fan? It's not like I had to abandon the Saskatchewan <laughs> NHL team that I grew up loving. You still you wear know. your Rough Riders colors, I'm sure. Sure. Football. Football. I'm all in. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so we didn't have a team in Saskatchewan. There was no NHL team. And uh, so I kind of grew up, you know, I ended up cheering for mostly for toronto because um it's like that's the team you saw the most on tv mm-hmm. and you get you become most familiar with that team and i was also always a big fan of mike palmentier i have a soft spot in my heart for left-handed goalies i don't know what it is oh that is not that's what i hate the most <laughs> I just, i'm on board right-handed catch it no i yeah, i got a soft spot because it almost seems like he shouldn't be there. That's a guy they pulled into the crap from the crowd and threw him out there. He clearly doesn't know what he's doing. Home link, look at the saves he's making them. Is because there's just something awkward about it? And oh, I hate it. it. I, it ruins everything for me about goaltending. <laughs> I think it's like, because now the well, shooter, because it's like, well, to me, it's like even weirder than, than like a lefty pitcher in baseball where it throws you off, obviously. You flip sides. But in hockey, it's so rare that like shooters, it it should like really affect shooters and it should make it really difficult like a lefty pitcher does to a lefty batter in baseball. But it, like, I don't know. It feels like there hasn't been like since uh, Jose Theodore that it's been like, how long has it been since we've seen a really good high level right catching goal? Yeah, right. right? Well, I feel like there's, has to be like a weakness to their game for some reason. I also hate them. I have like a shot on one. <laughs> yeah, I one think time. a lot of them just got out of the game because they heard of your hatred for yeah. them. Yeah. A lot of youngsters, You've projected your hatred on a lot of youngsters. That's what I've ta- that's what I'm taking away from this. Yeah, I have hated on goalies Soul a lot crushing, on this show. Demoralizing. <laughs> well, I'm an old goalie. I was a little fat goalie, you know, growing up. <laughs> fat kid who couldn't skate. What do you do, right? <laughs> so I was a goalie and I loved it. I, I I loved playing goal. I wasn't particularly good at it. I mean I always made the A team in my hometown, but it's you know, it was me or the other guy. <laughs> so it was a small ta- small town. Low bar. Do you have an elite prospects page? That's the real question. <laughs> I do not. Okay, we might. If you can, I don't think you, you can, can let in eight, eight goals a game at the <laughs> at the bantam level and expect a lot of heat from the scouts. <laughs> we'll have to get you an elite prospects page. We know yeah, the guy who you can uh, work that out. Uh, yeah, we'll work that out for you. But okay, so you became a Canucks fan and you've got this account. That, well, oh, I'll tell you. Here's yeah, the thing. I came to town. So I moved here in 1993. Mm-hmm. So that was a bit of a run, the 93-94 season. So the year that I landed in Vancouver, which I didn't plan to move here. I just came here to do some stand-up shows. I had a bunch of stand-up shows lined up in Vancouver and over on the island and up in the Okanagan. And I I thought to myself, I'm going to hang out here for a few months because I had some friends who lived here. And I never spent time in Vancouver. I'd always fly in and play a club and fly out. And it's like, man, it looks beautiful, you know, but you don't get a chance to see the city. So I thought... Here's my chance to hang out in Vancouver for a while. I figured I'd hang out two, maybe three months. I got an apartment in the West End that you could rent month by month without signing a lease. And uh, I was in that apartment for 10 years. Wow. <laughs> and I, month by I, month. I just, I just never felt 
like I wanted to be anywhere else. So pretty sh- within short order of me being here, I felt like this was going to be the place where I lived my life. This was going to be home base for my life. And it was like I said, 93, 94, that season, you know, took a run for the cup. It was a, it was a wild, it was a wild time. And it was pretty hard not to get on board, to get, pretty hard not to get swept up. But I didn't realize that I was actually becoming a Canucks fan until I was on the road. I guess it would probably be the next season. I was on the road with a, a, another comic, a buddy of mine, Jamie Hutchinson, who's a big Leafs fan. And we used to watch Leafs games together. And we were on the road in Kelowna. And we were in my hotel room because we were watching Hockey Night in Canada. And it was the Canucks and the Leafs playing. And the Canucks scored first, and I cheered. And it was kind of a, I was like, oh, that surprised me. <laughs> I guess this is my team. And I was just, uh, uh, I was on board from that moment on. Wow. That is, do you remember who scored the goal? <laughs> no, I don't, because I was so befuddled and bemused by what had just happened. I wonder, I wonder how different it would have been if they didn't go on a Stanley Cup run, because that has to draw in the whole city, right? Like, yeah. uh, what was that like just to kind of, especially as you're, getting used to a new city here and you're thinking, you know, maybe this is a spot that you want to be month to month, but like the Canucks, they absolutely draw you in. Like what, what is it like at the time? Like in 93, 94, when they're going on that run in the playoffs and it's getting deeper and deeper. And then you get to the chance to see Stanley cup finals. Like what was it like becoming a fan at the time there, or at least changing your alliance? I guess I don't know. You know, I think it's a good choice jumping away from the Leafs. Like you did, you were ahead of the times there with playoff wins. So yeah, it's like, uh, like I said, for me, it wasn't like I had to abandon some lifelong, you know, I just, I always loved to watch hockey. I, I played hockey and I loved to watch our senior men's team, the Tisdale Ramblers <laughs> and the Tisdale Trojans who went on to win the Air Canada Cup, the midget tournament. Um, so I just loved to watch hockey and I watched Hockey Night in Canada, who, who, you know, whoever came down the pike, I was on board. And so I, like I said, I kind of had an affinity for Toronto because of Mike Pommet here and just the regular the fact that they were the regular team. <laughs> and, and so it, it wasn't hard for me to, I didn't have to, you know, throw away lifelong love of any specific team. Right. I, f- I kind of feel like the Canucks is the first time that I really have a team that is my team. Like this is, and, and I've lived here now almost 30 years, like I said. So it's, and I do, I do fundraising events with the Canucks. And I do events with them and, and do stand up at some of their fundraising shows and things like that. So, so it's pretty it's pretty easy to get dialed in. I, I gotta ask, like, so ten years into being a fan, you get the West Coast Express era, the era that I grew up with, and the era that I absolutely loved. And at the chan- at the time, I'm sure you've been able to see how that kind of developed, the trades that made it happen. What are your memories of just the West Coast Express? I remember thinking that they uh, should be better. I, I remember thinking that they like you look at some of the talent that's on the ice. And they didn't, I always felt like they didn't go far enough. I don't know what the reason for that was, but I, was, I always felt at the start of every season going in, you know, with that gang, with that crew, yeah. that they should be going farther than they were. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I think you're, I, they could have used a Thatcher Demko back I wish, then probably. Too. I wish I could remember it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we always talk about how my, uh, my like, real knowledge of the Canucks started in 2011. Like, that was when it started because I was 11 years old at the time. Well, I mean, that's the next one you got to ask you. But like, that, that's the next era there at that point in 2011, watching that team come together. And that's when, you know, social media is just kind of starting to crank yeah. up at the yeah. time. Yeah. And, 
and what whatever thing that happened in 2011 was so incredible. I remember the best birthday gift I've ever gotten in my life was getting tickets to Game Seven against the Blackhawks, and you know being 18 at the time and not getting ID'd at the bar, and everything was going perfect <laughs> for the night. And then the Canucks, I feel like they're going to throw it away. They win it overtime, just like the absolute perfect night. Yeah. Uh, what do you remember from that night? Uh, one of one of well, for me, it's the best talk, best moment in Canucks history because I was there. I was a little biased probably about it, but. What do you remember from those series and, and that whole playoff run? Well, that particular game, I was at home watching on TV, and it was a rare, um, uh, a rare game that my wife was watching with me. Mm. She's not a big hockey fan. She's born and raised Vancouver, but she was never a big hockey fan. Um, but on those times, you know, the deeper we get into a playoff run, the more she starts to like, how are we doing, and come sn- snooping around. So game seven, against the Hawks especially, who had uh, – you know, eaten their lunch a few times in the past. And um, so, yeah, I remember her being beside me. We were in the basement where I had uh, the big screen TV in our, in my, our old house. And, uh, yeah, just lost my marbles, right? And I remember my dog barking at me because he didn't know what was happening. I was screaming. And, uh, yeah, it was fun. Oh, the other thing I remember about that, too, that I thought, thought was funny because I – I kind of, you know, we celebrate for 30 seconds or so, and then to kind of encapsulate the moment, I take a picture of myself in front of the, uh, with the TV behind me, right? Like a selfie. Yeah. And it's like, woohoo, you know, Canucks win. And I remember somebody <laughs> on Twitter replying, because this is so perfectly Twitter, somebody like saying, yeah, nice try. It's clearly they've already scored the goal. You're not in the moment because of the... And I was like, Who's, who said I was in the moment? What are you... It just cracked me up. It's uh, that so, Canucks so fan was on the on the way to the bank to uh, complain about <laughs> yeah. parking. Yeah, <laughs> gotta but, love that about Twitter. <laughs> but okay. that that the thing I remember, you know, I shouldn't say the thing I remember about that team, but they were so good. I remember my brother Lloyd, who lives in Calgary, who's a Flames fan. I remember Lloyd saying to me that year because we always text back and forth when the games are on, and especially when the Flames and the Canucks are playing against each other. But I remember him saying to me that year, he said, you know, it's so frustrating about the Canucks is it just seems like they can beat you whenever they want. It seems like if they're down by two and there's three minutes left, they look up at the clock and go, oh, hang on, we need three goals. And they yeah. just go out and get three goals. And he said, this drives me crazy. And I also remember at the start of that year being in the, in the airport because I travel a lot. I'm seeing going by a magazine stand or like a you know bookstore that had a magazine stand and Hockey News was on the cover and had Luongo. And I remember it said, can anybody stop the Canucks? We were going into the season. I was like, oh, I like how that sounds. Yeah. And almost nobody could. Mm-hmm. Nobody could. Like, that's the thing about the 2011 run. Literally nobody could, and then everything that happened in the final happened, and then all of a sudden the Boston Bruins and Tim Thomas could shut them down. But, you know, President's Trophy winners, like, that team was the team to get done. So I'll ask you this, Brent, because... You know, we, we've taken you through all the disappointing eras that have ended in disappointment. Like, the great teams that have ended in nothing. Like, this, this city has not seen a Stanley Cup. So I'll ask you this. Your faith level in this, not only core, the Elias Pettersons, the Quinn Hughes, the Thatcher Demko's, you've already talked about Demko, but... Which Elias Petterson are we talking about? Oh, yeah. we're talking about the first one. Oh, the KG veteran. Yeah. Yes, not Reed good. as we call him. But I like how like how uh, old PD decided to go yeah. with the shaved head. Like once he saw yes. new, like I we saw. See, I'll put it. Camp. I'll put it out here. My nickname yeah. for the new kid is Biggie mm. because we got little E <laughs> and Big E. Yeah, but it's just Biggie, like Biggie Smalls. Yeah, yeah, okay. Biggie. 
I like that. But I'm going to have a hard time not calling him um, Todd because he looks so much like a guy I went to high school with named Todd. <laughs> It, it's it's like when we when, when we drafted him and his picture came out, I took a picture and sent it to a friend of mine I went to school with. I go, holy hell, we, we just uh, drafted 1983 Todd Arneson. I've been trying to get the, like, so he wore 32 at development camp, and it's like, how did no one tell him not to wear 42? Like, yeah. he would have been EP42. Yes. Like, yeah. nobody, like, come on. Nobody was thinking Missed opportunity. That. Big time. I like what he, he said somebody I can't remember somebody was interviewing him quickly and they said something about how are you, how are you going to put the names on the back of the yeah. jerseys you know <laughs> yeah. what's going to be printed and he said i think what we'll do is whatever he wants <laughs> that's the right answer yeah. it's like that's the, the right perfect answer. attitude he's a smart kid i guess brent i'll ask you about just the the new players coming in which which one excites you the most like mckayev we have because manko come in you could even mention like spencer martin will now be the backup i know we mentioned jack rathlin there's not much else on the defense but like <laughs> out, of, out of i guess like the two russian forwards which one kind of excites you a little bit here there's there's a mystery to kuzmenko a little bit mckayev yeah, absolutely that's, flies that's part of it i think that's for me, I would have to say my interest is mostly in, and I'm, and I'm on board both. I'm very interested to see how both of them um, play here. And I, and I love McKayev's speed. I love that footage that they showed of the foot race with him and McDavid oh, to the yes. puck. <laughs> and he beats him to the puck, gets it first, and then shoves him against the wall. Yeah, That's that's a good combination. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm probably most interested. I feel because McKayev is a bit more of a known entity, and, and it's just the mystery of uh, Kuzmenko. The Cruz. That's my nickname for him. The Cruz. Okay. I'm here, I'm here to nickname all the guys. Yeah. Okay. I actually did that for the Canucks one year at one of the <laughs> events I went through. I gave them all nicknames. Really? I was like, here's the problem with hockey today. Lousy nicknames. We used to have great nicknames, right? <laughs> Suitcase, Cheech, yeah. you know, Juice. We had good nicknames. So I went through and I gave them all New nicknames. <laughs> and one of them stuck for a while. Okay, which one? Tyler Myers. I gave him the nickname Dunk because you know yeah, he can. That, oh, my gosh. That's stuck. where that came from. And you'd hear people, yeah, yes, Dunk. Yes, we hear the and players say it. I, I gave the nickname for JT Miller. I gave the nickname Phyllis because I, from my background in comedy, I'm a big fan of Phyllis Diller. And Phyllis Diller Miller just seems like a good, <laughs> that was a rolls off the tongue. So I gave him the name Phyllis, Phyllis Diller Miller. And so that didn't stick. But he did say to me later at an event, he came up to me and he said, you know, nobody calls me Phyllis, but we have a set um, power play. One of the plays that we do as a set, set power play piece is something he brought with him from college and introduced to the team, and they use it. And he said we didn't have a name for it, so we call it Phyllis. <laughs> well, there you go. So they'll line up so with the Phyllis. So it stick to an yeah, extent. Just not, just not to a human. <laughs> That's amazing. We no, I cut you off. You were going to ask me something. Well, I cut you off. Well, about we can get to it because you know he had a good good question there about the free agents. But what I wanted to get to is you know we talked about all the disappointing errors. So we talked about this core a little bit. Is this the one to get it done? Is this management regime as well the one to get it done in your mind? Yeah, I really think it is. And you know, I am a, a no- notorious. Is that the right word? <laughs> I'm notoriously optimistic. I always I'm I'm gung ho about the Canucks, and I'm always like. Probably more optimistic than is warranted at times. But I just kind of got to balance things out. And so, but I do feel like if you look at the, first of all, when's the last time we had three 30-goal scorers, right? I think it was like the West Coast Express era, right? right. So we we have some talent, and it seems like we're adding to that nicely. We have, if you look at, like I think Bo Horvat is a, 
a fantastic captain. I think he's a mm-hmm. fantastic all-around player. And I think he's the type of guy you want wearing the C. Um, and then we got these young studs that play so well, just play at a, a really high level with Hughes and Petey. And Besser, too. Besser is, I think, he, he's a better two-way player than he, he gets credit for. Mm-hmm. And when you watch when you watch him put the puck in the net, I always remember that there was that one game when we were playing the Canadians, oh, yeah. and everybody got squeezed over into the boards for some reason, and Besser <laughs> just parked out front on the off chance yep. that the puck came to him, and it did. And it was like, a, it was like an old Western movie. It was Gunslinger. <laughs> it was like maybe the best goalie in the league, and this sniper, and it was they just squared off. Yep. Price came out, challenged him, got set, and it's like Besser just let him get set. It was like, "Are you ready?" <laughs> Boom! Just yeah. a wrist shot over his shoulder. Yeah. So I think we have we have as as good a core, like a core group of star players as uh, as a lot of teams that have won the cup. And then it's just kind of, and so then we got Demko, who can steal games. And you're not going to win the cup unless you have a goalie that steals games. Where you win games, you got no business winning. Not only through the season, but through the playoffs. You have to win games you shouldn't win. And we got that in him. And then you got Boudreaux, who who I think can navigate the waters really, really well. So I'm I'm I think the next three years is going to be very fun and interesting. Brent, give me a line you want to see next year because there's so much you could see. Like there's so many trios you can put together, yeah, especially I've, with the I've forward. I always group. want. I've always like. I I like PD on the wing. Um, I know statistically there's. Uh, I think statistically there's more evidence that he's more effective in the down the middle. But I like Horvat centering Besser and PD. Mm. I I just like like loading up some guns. Loading you know? it up, yeah. I like that idea a lot. One thing that we've kind of thrown around is, you know, they've got the three Russians now. Like, what are the chances that we see, you know, Pod in alongside Kuzmenko or Mikheyev? Because I'd really like that, especially if they're splitting up. Uh, you know, if they do go the route of splitting up Patterson, Horvat, and Miller, you've got three lines that can score. Like, you've got the wingers now to do it, I'd say. So, like, are you – where are your expectations, I guess, for – Vasily Colson in particular next year. Like, what did you think of him as a rookie? Is he ready to take that next step into being like a consistent yeah. top six contributor? I think he is. I think we watched him become an NHL player uh, in front of our very eyes. You know, it's, it's and I think he took a little bit longer than a lot of people hoped or or wanted. I think a lot of people just wanted him to come in this big, strong, skilled Russian kid. I think a lot of people, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but I mean, some people were probably unfairly putting, uh, projecting a bit too much Ovechkin in on him, right? <laughs> they were like, oh, he's like Ovechkin. I heard that from a few people. I was like, mm-hmm, well. <laughs> but um, I think what we, we watched this kid learn the game and, and get confident. And I feel like in the second half, I mean, he blossomed under Boudreaux. I think a lot of guys found their game again under Boudreaux, and I think Pod Colson kind of became an NHL player. I don't know what Boudreaux said to him, took him aside, had mm-hmm. a few conversations, and he instilled some confidence in him that I think was missing. I just, I, I completely agree with you. I think that's all it was. It was just like, 
I think the fact that you brought up Ovechkin, like that's Boudreaux's the guy who helped Ovechkin find yeah. that in the NHL. I think Russians really, I think that's why, I think it's a big reason why Kuzmenko actually maybe chose Vancouver was Bruce Boudreaux. Like yeah. the fact that he drove to meet him in Michigan, mm-hmm. the fact that he was on the all the phone calls with Kuzmenko. Like, Mikheyev telling him Vancouver's a great place. Exactly. And, you know, Pod Colson mentioned that, you know, before he even signed, Pod Colson had a good conversation with Kuzmenko. He used to play with them in the yep. same uh, KHL team. They weren't line mates, as you've been telling everyone. <laughs> yeah, they, I keep saying, I was like, yeah, they played together. No, they played no, together no. one game. Yeah, Pod Colson <laughs> didn't get a lot of minutes in the KHL. Uh, Kuzmenko did. Uh, but, yeah, just I, it's going to be interesting to watch that. And I think something that you said off the top was so important about, like, how a coach – I mean, everyone who's in the NHL is a highly skilled hockey player. And when you're you know getting paid millions of dollars to do as well, you're not a guy who's like a bottom feeder in the lineup. You're an impact player. But it's been really great to see how Bruce Boudreaux has been able to kind of navigate using the skill. And I think that's a big difference that we saw from the past where it, it just feels like Boudreaux has a sense of where the players themselves feel the most comfortable, and he's been able to put them in that spot. That's why I think that... I don't know if the Canucks are a 120, 110-point team, whatever the pace was that they set last year, but... I ha- you have to be more confident this year going into this season than you were last year. With everything that you saw at the end of last year, there's just a confidence in me that this team, like how confident were we that they were a playoff team last year yeah, going exactly. into the season? We felt pretty confident about it. We thought that, yeah, it was a lot. And, you know, looking back, maybe the OEL trade might have been a little bit of a mistake at the time, but you were getting a better team. This year, you're still getting a better team, it feels like, like going into it. You're obviously going to have to rely on Demko a ton, but how do you feel about the Canucks being a playoff team this year, especially after what we've seen the last two years where big disappointments, I think. I mean, obviously, the the Canadian division was – that was a tough year to watch for a yeah. lot of that. Uh, last year, I mean, the push was so much fun. But this year, like, there has to be a confidence. How do you How do you think the Canucks can build off of what they did to finish last year? Yeah, I feel like if we can, we're not. I, I doubt that we're going to match the pace that we had in the second half. But if you look at the fact that we just missed mm-hmm. by basically playing half a season, and we almost made the playoffs, um, and we would have if there wasn't, you know, some other teams that had a really good stretch. If you extrapolate over the course of the season, if we only get, you know, if if, if we do a third as well as we did in the second half, but over the course of the whole season, right. we're a playoff team. And, you know, I think we got a, like I said, a cagey dude behind the bench that can get people motivated in the right way. And, and he can, he's a good fluid coach. He makes changes on the fly well. He, he adapts. He adapts and overcomes like a Marine. <laughs> um, so I, I, I'm on board. I think, I think the, the pieces, a lot of the pieces of the puzzle are there. Hot goalie that can steal games. Mm. KG veteran coach that the players love to play for. Um, you got a horse wearing the sea. You got some snipers that can just do things that people shouldn't be able to do. So I think the core is there. And I, uh, I think, like I said, if we play 75% as well as we did in the second half, but we play that good through the season, we'll, we'll be a playoff team. All right, I just got one last question then. I don't know how many you got. You got, you got a list over there. But this, is, this is my final one. I just want to know your favorite moment uh, in arena that you've ever had. As, as a fan of the Vancouver Canucks, being in the arena, what's your favorite moment that you've had in person? <laughs> it ended up getting written about in, in the province newspaper at the time. <laughs> so 
My wife got me uh, an 11 game ice pack. They used to, I don't know if they oh, still yeah, sell yeah, them. Yeah. So instead of a season ticket, you get the 11 game ice pack. And she got it kind of late in the year, and there was only seats, the very last seats, as high as you can get. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I was way at the back against the concrete, but it's fantastic. You're up high, you can see the play develop. Mm-hmm. And so I was at one of the games, and there was a guy a few rows down who was inebriated. He was gooned. And I can't remember what the joke was. You'd think I'd remember his stupid joke because all he kept saying this joke, the same joke, 80, 90 times, 100 times, 160 times. And finally, I just lost it on the guy. I just stood up and just unloaded on him like I would a heckler in a comedy club. <laughs> and uh, I got a tremendous round from the people sitting around me. And anyway, somebody who wrote for the province <laughs> was there yeah. and saw it and, and wrote it up. About, about how I snapped and That's lost. And when I first DJ. read it, I thought, "Oh, this is going to be bad," because I, you know, I was using all manner of colorful language on the guy. And so I thought, "Oh, oh this is like one of those TMZ moments." Yeah. <laughs> but it was uh, written up actually, kind of, you know, showed me in a good light. <laughs> that was probably one of my favorite in moment, <laughs> in moment games. And also, uh, uh, Ryan Kessler hat trick. I lost my favorite Canucks hat. I had to throw it over the glass. Did they not give them back back then? What the heck? They no. give them back now. If you throw your hat over, they say, go to guest services at this section That's and get crazy. your hat back. Well, I, I, I like what some... Have you seen, though, like, some people do, they, like, compress, like, different arenas do different things with them. Really? And, like, I've seen, like, art pieces come up. They put them in, they put that little clear gel, and it turns oh. into, like, a cube of the hats. That's a cool one. And then it's, like, this guy's hat <laughs> trick from whatever day here. Should give it to the player. Yeah, <laughs> like, put this in your yard. You, you got to deal with this now. <laughs> yeah, the statue. I remember Ray Ferraro talking about how they used to give them the hats. Like they would round them up and give them to the players. Like I don't want these. What am I going to do with these? Put them in a statue. That's what Ray Ferraro wanted. Okay, a couple more things that I wanted to get to. I guess the first one. Are you surprised that JT Miller hasn't been traded yet? Yeah, I am. You know, and I'll be the first to admit. And I kind of alluded to this a couple times already that, you know, the business side of this game is so outside of my scope. Like I'm a business guy and I run businesses, but there's so, there's so much to hockey that I don't even try to figure out the business side of it. But I thought, especially the way all the experts were talking and, you know, I I mean, I understood the notion of trading this guy uh, while the getting's good like his value is yep. as high now as it's probably ever going to be although i don't think it's going to drop off tremendously and i don't think like if you're he might not get 99 points but if you got 89 points i don't think that's a big drop off in terms of your market value but but in answer to your question yeah i thought it would have happened by now but this is one of those situations where my head and my heart argue because i, w- I just want to see him remain a canuck i mm. want to i want to watch games where he's on my team yeah and so the notion of Trading him, I guess, makes sense from a dollars and cents, nuts and bolts, corn and gravy uh, standpoint. But as just a guy who likes to watch your team, I really want him to be on the team. Yeah, I want Phyllis on the team. <laughs> We're going to try to make Phyllis stick. I think we'll have to start writing that in all of our articles. Uh, um, I gave Hor- Horvat the nickname Horse. This was my favorite joke from that round. I said he he's uh, we got to call him Horse because he first of all there's a cartoon Bojack. Horseman, Bojack Horseman, right? yeah. So Bojack Horvat just makes sense. Yeah. He's, uh, but he's, you know, he's also he's big, he's strong, he's fast, he works hard, he loves apples. 
That was my favorite joke. <laughs> and I said to Travis Green, as a coach at the time, I said, Green, you can keep that theme going too. If if Bo has a good shift, he comes back to the bench, you give him a sugar cube. <laughs> huh? Keep it going. A little incentive. Fantastic. Okay. So I need to ask you. I'm just this is I should have prepped you for this and putting you on the spot here. I'm just hoping you have a good dog the bounty hunter story for us. I do. Please tell it. Why are you asking about Dog the Bounty Hunter? Because the cameo. Oh, okay. Yes. Because I was wondering, like, where, does he know we had a cameo? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, uh, i got to be careful not to slander anybody. But here's I, 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 can, I think I'm legally covered if I just say this is my opinion. He and his wife, God rest her, were, they seemed to me to be full-on legitimately coconuts. Like, they, they rolled into... So it started with... Uh, uh, our transport team went to pick them up at the airport. They were flying in. And um, they apparently they came off the plane in a shouting match with Air Canada people. <laughs> oh, and they were banned. They, they, as they arrived in Regina, Saskatchewan, they were banned from flying Air Canada oh anymore. Gosh. And the party continued. It was, uh, And they were fighting amongst themselves. We were waiting to shoot the scene that they were going to be in. And they were on the other side. I don't know if they thought they were in another room. You know, just the other side of a fake wall that we have in the <laughs> studio. And they're screaming at each other. And we kept our, our AD kept going in to kind of try, because we're running late now, to, to break it up. And they, they'd yell at him, and he'd come scurrying back. <laughs> don't, oh, don't send me in there again. Um, but, yeah, I, I'll say, in my uh, opinion, they were not wired upright. <laughs> they yeah they you don't say <laughs> they they were problematic so shooting the scenes itself how was that experience well that was all right i think the scene came off good it was a little fantasy sequence see we found out that they were going to be in regina for some security conference and so we thought well let's come up with an idea for a cameo featuring them and we'll run it by them and if they if they want to play ball it'll be a fun cameo to do so i came up with this idea that brent has a little fantasy about being on the lamb and they track him down because that was the good thing about corner gas is that we kind of had this framework built in where you could pop out of reality and have a little you could see what somebody's thinking mm-hmm. and so that allowed us to do some pretty haywire jokes that we couldn't do <laughs> without fracturing our reality but you know we it was always a fantasy pop out and so they just come into the ruby and bust me basically and that was all good. It came that came off without a hitch. You know, the guy knows how to use handcuffs. So I'll give him that. <laughs> Fantastic. That's Actually, I, I do have a corner guys question too. Before we before we wrap, making the switch to animated, like what was that? Like, what were the the easier parts of doing that? Like a whole change. I'm sure you get like a lot more creativity and you know things like that. Like making a cut scene to something else. Like one animated, it's got to be easier. How different was it for you being like the creator, the mind behind everything, going from in person, live action to switch into animated. Like, what were some of the pros and cons? Yeah, like you said, we do. We were able to take advantage of that built-in system that we had, the built-in device where we could pop out and see uh, fantasies, and we were able to take that a little farther than we could in real life because there's always, you know, there's budgetary mm-hmm. issues, and mm-hmm. so actually, when we were first convincing the network. Because the way it came about was we, we did the series, 107 episodes of the live action series. Then we took a break for five years and we came back for the movie. Mm. And in my mind, that was going to be the cherry on top. We're going to finish it off with a theatrical feature film. But the problem was it did so well, if that's a problem. It, did, it was like the most watched thing of the year. And it was sell, selling out theaters. Yeah. My brother called me. I can't get into your stupid movie. <laughs> it was like physically selling out theaters. And Cineplex called up the network and asked if they could have another week with it in theaters, that kind of thing. 
So it did way better than any of us expected. And we, we expected it to do well, but it still did better. And so that made the network call up and say, you know, there's clearly still an appetite for, for these people in this little town. You want to do more episodes. But, you know, I was getting older and um, it just kind of felt like there's no reason to go back and do more of the same. And, but at the same time, you still like to have a gig, right? So we said, if we were going to do something, what could we do to make it different, to make it, but still give people what they like? Mm-hmm. And I um, have a history in illustration and cartooning. And I was going to study animation after high school. I went to Sheridan College in Oakville to study animation, but I quit after, I think, four days. But um, So it was an easy leap for me to say, well, what if we tried animating? And, but that, the thing is, you don't know whether it's going to work or not, right? Right. So we landed upon the genius idea of let's do a three-minute demo and just see how it feels. Mm. If it feels good, we'll move forward. If it doesn't, we'll pull the plug and just wrap it up. And so we created this three-minute demo that really showed what we could do. Uh, I wrote a scene where it was kind of a fantasy thing, like a post-apocalyptic. In the episode, Brent has forgotten to order gas for the pump, so the town is dry for a couple (laughs) days. And Oscar imagines like a (laughs) post-apocalyptic Mad Max society, you know. And, you know, we we flashed to that, the gas station's in the middle of the, the desert, surrounded in barbed wire and tires and Brent's all kind of mad maxi and all these uh, you know post-apocalyptic warriors roll over in their farm equipment slash dune buggy (laughs) war vessels and that showed the network is like see what we could do that we couldn't do because one of the things was why animate and that 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 showed why animate and then the rest of it it just felt right it all it all felt good it felt like just another episode and we worked with them I worked with a Vancouver animator named Josh Mepham. He he designed the characters so that they looked like um, the corner gas people. Yeah, and it just felt right, and so we dove in, and the response from people was great. I mean, and just watching it, like it's crazy how far animation has come. And I get it, it's twenty twenty two. You can do pretty much anything, but just like I don't know, just like seeing little movements, it, it, like you guys. I think you know, props to your animation department and what they were able to do with things because everything looked. And felt very similar yeah. in a lot of even just like little how the shoulders would yeah. move, arms. Yeah. Are, like it was, it was pretty wild to yeah, see. They, they studied the animators. There was animated with a company in Toronto called Smiley Guy, Smiley Guy Studios, and the animators. Yeah, they we just provided them with clips of each of the characters yeah. and mm-hmm. to to learn their mannerisms and their facial expressions and how they respond to things. And yeah, they're they're an amazing group there at Smiley Guy. Okay, before we wrap up here. I want to ask you about the book. Huge. Dropping fall 2023. Like you said before we went on air, it's because it's Faber's wedding present. And you're bringing it to the wedding. Big release date of the wedding. (laughs) You know, the publisher wants to release it now. I said, we got to hold off to Faber's wedding. I just proposed. Like, I I wouldn't have gotten engaged if it wasn't for the book. So, (laughs) Yeah, it's just, you know, I've always wanted to write a novel. And when we got shut down to the pandemic, I thought, if not now, when? And, um... So I started writing, and I had this idea for a while. It's based on, like, it's not a comedy. It's a dark psychological thriller. So it's not a comedy, but the backdrop of it is comedy. It's three comedians. The fast pitch for it is three comedians go on the road in a van. Two of them do not have a disturbing capacity for violence. Mm. So one of the three is, um, yeah, it's a bad guy to be on the road with. And it's kind of based on the notion that when I first started doing stand-up, you get, you get just thrown in with somebody you don't know. And 99% of the time, it's great. Somebody you become fast friends mm-hmm. with, you have a few laughs with. But every so often, you're on the road with somebody and you're just like, 
if this guy decides to kill me out here in the <laughs> middle of Manitoba, there's a lot of places to hide my body. And it just seemed like a potentially good, creepy story. And so that's what I wrote. And the the response from people were, has been really, really good. And, um, yeah, I apparently have written a, a good, scary book. Wow. Fantastic. I'm, which I, is, that's what I like to read. I like thrillers and, and horror books. Yeah. Stephen King fan? Yeah. There you go. I'm, I'm very excited to read it because, like you, I also really enjoy that genre. I uh, find so, it interesting that, like, so, but like Jordan Peele's an example, a comedian who's been able to like move yeah, into thrillers and yeah, have a ton yeah, of yeah. success. Is there something about that for comedians that like you want to just well, give it a shot or what? I've always said, because people are surprised and I've always said comedy, terror, they're not yeah. that different. You know, they're, <laughs> they're very close cousins. It's a thin wall between comedy and terror. It's a very thin wall between somebody slapping you in the back or punching you in the face. It's like a very little subtle gesture difference can make, uh, make all the difference in the world. But yeah, if any of your listeners are on board, if they want to get like advanced information about the book, I have a little bulletin newsletter. It's just called BB Bulletins. You can just go to my website, brentbutt.com, sign up for the bulletins, and the people that are signed up for that will get advanced. They'll probably read the first chapter before anybody else. They'll see the book cover before anybody else, those kind of things. So go to my website, brentbutt.com, sign up for the bulletins. Was it something that you've like nervous getting into like or have you done anything like away from comedy that much just like to this is a huge project like it was it I how mean, hard was it at times like was is it i that really different? enjoyed it i didn't know how hard it was going to be going into it and it was you know it's a it's a big project to sit down and write a novel it's a lot of work but as a guy who spent the last you know 25 years or so writing scripts for comedy for like tv and film and scripts are very kind of structured and they're time, you know, specific. You got to have like a, you know, a full 31 pages, uh, not 31 and a half, that kind of thing. And, you know, things are expected to happen by a certain page count. Whereas a novel, it was, I said to my literary agent, I said, I felt like I was a horse that got let out of the pen and just like, <laughs> go run and see what you find. You know, yeah. just have, and I, I loved it. I got up at like five or six every morning and just started hammering away. I, I really loved the process. So much so that I've started writing my second book now. Fantastic. Can you share anything about the second book yet? Uh, not really. Too, too early in the day. I don't Four want to muddy the, the water. That is very fair. We got to got to get huge out into the well, world. Well, announce it at the wedding. We'll let you know what yeah. those yeah. is. We'll let you know when I get married, and then you can drop that one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll close it out there. Brent, thank you so much for joining us. For my co-host Chris Faber, our thanks again to Brent Butt for joining us on this episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation, delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.